teaching on the subject of race, religion, and racism. Race, religion, and racism. I am still in the introductory stage of this series. Uh, it will be, as I have pointed out before, a little lengthy because I think after 400 or 350 to 400 years of aftermath of the things that occurred here in, the, in America at, the, at its inception, kind of foolish to think you're going to deal with that in 15 minutes. Now, last time I was giving you a reason why I followed the course that I did and after all these years of ministry, now I'm finally coming around to talking about race, racism, and religion. And some people may say, well, my God, you, you know, all, this, all these years you have never said anything about it. Well, as I told you last time, God directed me to go in a particular way. And uh, the spiritual things are more important than physical things. And the Bible principle is seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all these other things will be added to you. But sometimes people are not always in position to do that. So you have to sometimes digress and come down to their level to bring them up to the level where you are. Because bottom line, everybody, black, white, red, brown, green, yellow, polka dot, or whatever, is going to finally have to come back to the principles of faith and learn how to live by faith. Because as I said last time, as we close, even if racism disappeared overnight, you still have an enemy, Satan. And he'll still use whatever devices are available to him to destroy your life. And in order to stand against him and do it successfully, then you have to know how to live by faith. So that was the approach that God led me to. And I use the principles and I and we've achieved this and in my even my own in my own personal life. And so I think when you get to a certain level spiritually, uh, ethnicity should not make a difference. But as I pointed out, unfortunately, a lot of folk have not let God deal with their little personal prejudices. And though they say hallelujah and praise the Lord and dance and shout, they still maintain their little feelings of superiority and their views of inferiority about other people. And that is ungodly. It is not spiritual and it's not biblically oriented and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be rooted out and exposed and dealt with. And I'm primarily dealing with the church because racism is running rampant in the church it always has been from day one. Nobody has ever really challenged it or dealt with it. We give a little lip service to it now and then, but then we let it go on just as though it was supposed to be. Well, it's, it's over and uh, it's going to be challenged. And when we finish, as I said uh, at another, in another message, that when this series is over, you'll have to go to your graves with what you have heard. You will never be able to again sleep at night without remembering the words that were said to you. And you're going to be held accountable for those words. And you're going to face God Almighty and Jesus Christ at the throne. And you're going to have to give an account as to why you didn't do something positive about what you heard. Okay. Now, last time, and so I told you why I did the things that I did. I gave you a couple of scriptures. I, we talked about the fact Paul said, I've become all things to all men that I buy by, by some means or by all means I might win some. And then Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so God has given me this commission to do so because there are many, 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 say many, say many. There are, say many. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there are many black people in America that are lost. I don't, I don't mean necessarily lost from a point of salvation. And yet there are many that are lost in that respect too, but, but they've lost their way. 
They've lost their way because of the dust clouds of, of uh, racism and slavery and lack of knowledge about certain things. And they're kind of in a fog. They, they're, they're really not sure where they are. And it's, man, it's manifested in their actions. They're misbehaving because they really don't know who they are. They're acting out of character. And so they need to find out who they are. In order to do that, we've got to go back. I know people say, well, that's unpleasant. Uh, forget about it. Let's forget the past. Well, as I pointed out last time, you can't forget what you've never known. And most of us black folk, we don't know our past. We don't have any past. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I know, as I said, there'll be a lot of black folk that don't like this. They'll say, wish Fred Price, why don't you shut up? We're riding in the front of the bus now. I mean, we used to have to ride in the back of the bus. We ride in the front. You will mess up here. And these white folks going to put us back in the back of the bus. Listen, friend, I'm not about riding in the front of the back. I'm about owning the bus line. Okay. So all, all, I, all I want is an equal opportunity to compete. That's all. I'm not asking anybody to give me anything because I'm black. I don't want that. Not yet. I'll get into that later on because I got a, I got a whole section on that. I am. I'm going to challenge the United States of America and I'm going to challenge all kind of folks that you all you all need to fix this thing. Y'all ripped us off and made us work for years. OK, I think I told you that. I, anyway, so so anyway, I want to I want to let you know. And I know that see, I'm, I'm all fired up with this. And, and I know it's going to appear some people are going to they're, they're going to reject it because they they're going to say I'm not coming across in love. They, they think I should speak softly and all of that. Well, I'm angry, but I, but you need to know why I'm not angry at any individual person and I'm not angry at any group of people. I'm really angry about the fact that the church hasn't done anything about this situation. See, it never could have existed without the consent of the church. And that that's what that's what makes me angry. And so as I come across, I want you to understand why. And all of it's Bible based. I don't do anything unless I can substantiate it by the Bible. See? Now, let me let, let me show you what the word says. Uh, Mark chapter three. Did you find that? All right. Now, watch this beginning with verse one. And he, he, he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man, this is Jesus now. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, say anger. I said, say anger. I said, say anger. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved, say grieved, grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Jesus was angry. Now, biblical anger is actually called righteous indignation. Okay, it's not anger where you get mad and break up the furniture and beat up on your wife and kill the dog and beat your children and break out all the windows and throw everything all over the house. That's not, not that kind of madness, but it's righteous, holy indignation. Jesus was grieved because these rascals were so concerned about maintaining the status quo. They didn't give a care about this man because that had a withered hand. They could care less whether he got healed or not. 
Just maintain the tradition of the Sabbath. Don't break the Sabbath. Don't, don't disturb our tradition. If that man never gets healed, they, they could give a care. And it grieved Jesus. He was righteously indignant. It says he looked around upon them with anger, being grieved at the hardness of their heart. Now, that's the kind of anger that I have. I'm grieved. I'm grieved that the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, so claimed to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, has so let this thing fester and boil and bubble all these years and has never really addressed it. The church, the church, they haven't addressed it. And they keep on perpetuating it. They, they, they keep perpetuating it by their lack of speaking out against it. If the whole church world and most of the church world is white, they haven't said anything. All they've done is move out of move out of the inner city, move to the suburbs. They don't give a care about black people. Oh, now they want us to get saved. And I really, they must have some kind of strange idea that there's going to be a segregated heaven. You know, they're going to be a ghetto section in heaven and a suburb section in heaven. I don't think so. Because if so, I ain't going. I had enough of this crap while I've been here. I sure ain't going nowhere to spend eternity in that kind of an environment. But it, they, they let us know they don't they don't get now. See, remember, don't take this personally. It's not everybody, and I know that, and I'm not saying it's everybody, but it's too many. It's too many. Okay, if they really cared about us, they would have let us. They would have let us move in. A few of us, even if they didn't let us all move in, they could have let enough move in so there would be a nice little salt and pepper balance, and they could have kept things uh, nice and kept the inner city nice. Instead of that, they just fled. Not only fled, but then jacked up the prices and ripped us off, made us pay a fortune to get the beat up raggedy property that they left. Just like this property, we bought this property. My wife and I, we've been married 44 years. When we first got married, you could not rent an apartment in this area, in this geographical area that this church is now on. You could not rent. They would not rent to black folk. From downtown Los Angeles to 103rd Street. You couldn't rent in here. 44 years ago, I tried it over and over again. They would not rent to blacks. So then when they finally decided that too many blacks were applying and trying to get in here, then they decided to leave and they left this place of dumb. The whole neighborhood, and, and like this property here, I'm sorry, his property was a dog. In fact, we still got some of the buildings over there now. They look like great big dogs with bad fleas on them. Great big giant fleas. I mean, it was just a wreck, wreck. I mean, you know, you, you fix the thing up and you sell it. But they just left it like it was. Stuck us with all kind of crazy stuff. We built this dome and we had to have the sewage system and all this kind of stuff. And we had to hook up with the city. And see, the city slick. The city, gonna, they, they, they like God. They're going to get theirs. They're they, they, they going to get theirs. Somebody's going to pay. And so they did, they didn't bother them, but they violated laws, laws in a sense of agreements where everybody along this corridor was supposed to pay a certain amount of money for an improvement in the sewage system. And so apparently this place here did not pay that money. And so they got away scot-free. So when we got the place, 
and we decided to build this dump. God, why am I? This is not the one I'm supposed to be dealing with today. Anyway, while we while while we were building this building and getting it ready and wanted to get it approved, we had to. They 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 stuck us and wouldn't give us an approval. I think we had to pay what was it a hundred thousand dollars or sixty thousand, two hundred thousand. No, I'm talking about to get to hook up to the city. They charge us two hundred thousand dollars to get the permit. So be able to hook up with them. They made us pay what the folk out there in Malibu should have paid. That's cold-blooded. And they knew, they knew, they knew no white folks weren't coming in here and buying this property. They knew that if anybody got this property, it's going to either be Hispanic or blacks. Let them pay through their nose. Two hundred and some thousand dollars just to hook up that should have been paid by the people that occupied this property when they made the improvements along the corridor everybody was supposed to make a contribution to it well like i say the government's like god they just let you sit on you judgment day's coming judgment day's coming and then when when you get ready to hook up they say you, you want to hook up fine hey no problem we'll hook you up but you're gonna hook us up first for two hundred thousand dollars then we'll hook you up well see that's cold but if you really cared about people Christian, you you wouldn't have done that to somebody. See, and these are the kind. These, and see, it wasn't. I could ex, I could expect this from sinners, atheists. I wouldn't. I mean, if, if we had bought it from the Klan, I could have expected that. You know, I'd know right where they were, where they were coming from. I wouldn't feel bad about. It. I mean, I would I wouldn't expect anymore because I know how they feel. They let me know how they feel. Ain't only no doubt about how they feel. Don't have to guess. No guesswork involved. Know exactly how they feel. But Christian, Christian, this is a Christian organization. I said it's a Christian organization. And I, mean, I could go there's tons of things like that and call ourselves Christians, see? See, they did the same kind of thing when they gave us, supposedly gave us a uh, uh, emancipation. You get, listen, you take, you took a group of people, brought them from their own native land, stripped them of their character, stripped them of their heritage, even stripped them of their family ties, purposely so that they couldn't get into agreement with each other. Took the father. Grab him and send him north, as it were. Took the wife, sent her south. Took the kids, sent them west. Took the other kids, sent them east. Split them up. Christian people did this. So-called Christian. Claimed to be Christian. Couldn't have been Christian. Couldn't know God. They could not know God and do that. Then you kept them in bondage and from 1619 to 1865. Worked them till they dropped dead. Because there's plenty more of them in Africa, so just kill these. You don't you don't maintain. You don't keep them healthy. You don't you don't keep them up. Just let them die and then get some more. That's all. Just purchase some more. You got money? Go buy some more. And that's what they did. Then after all of that, then here comes 1865, and they gave us emancipation. Now you took people for all these years from 1619 to 1865. You taught them absolutely nothing. The majority of them could not read, could not write, barely could talk the language. And then you open the gate and set them free. 
and then wonder why they don't compete. Are you hearing me? And then wonder why they don't compete. They can't read. It was against the law and the, the, the wonderful, good, precious, honest, white Christians that did teach their people to read, the people that were under their jurisdiction, they did it at the risk of their lives. It was against the law to teach a black man to read. And then you turn them loose and then wonder why they don't compete, why they don't do better. Why they don't act more civilized. How in God's green heaven can they act civilized when they've been treated like animals for all those years? And then you just open the gate instantly and turn, turn them loose and then wonder why they don't act right. And a lot of what's going on today stems directly from that because it's, it's, it's a thing that's been, been uh, uh, shifted down through time. And a lot of black, they act that way because they don't know any better. They don't know their beginning. They don't know the deception, the, 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 the uh, purposeful conspiracy to uh, take their lives away from them. Not the physical life, but just take their lives away from them. And so they act out of character. We're acting out of character. We are a people. I'm a, we'll get into that later. But we, we are a people with a heritage that is a wonderful heritage. And we've been stripped of it. We've been stripped of it. And so we act out of character. So somebody's got to help us. White folks, all they're going to do is run. Keep on running. Move out. Get too many of you in the suburb. They're going to move and make a new suburb. And, they, and every time they do that, they're telling you, we do not want you to be with us. Are you getting the message? I, again, we're not talking about everybody. We know better than that. I know. I certainly know better than that. Because it was good. It was good white folk that sold us this property. Says I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about institutionalized situations. Are you following me? I'm not talking about individuals. The wonderful individual, the president of the university, gave us a wonderful opportunity to buy this property. He didn't have to do that. Could have sold it to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Could have, he could have done it another way. But I'm not. And I'm, so I'm not talking about individuals. But I'm talking about the fact that it's supposed to be the church. We're supposed to be the body of Christ. And when we're in the body of Christ, our individuality has to bow its knee to the corporate wholeness of all of us that are Christians. Are you following? That's what I'm talking about. So don't 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 take it personally. You know you didn't do anything wrong. You know your heart is right. You know you don't you don't hate black people. If you did, you wouldn't even be in this church. You wouldn't be coming here. You don't have to come here. Thousands of churches that you could go to. The very fact that you come here lets us know you don't have a problem. You know, as such. So don't 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 take it don't take it personally. But I gotta I, I don't know who's watching and I don't know who's gonna hear this. All I know is what God told me to do, and so I've got to put it out there. It's like I always say. My my daddy had an old saying. He said, if you throw an old shoe in a pack of dogs that are screaming and hollering, the only dog that does actually holler is the one that got hit. <laughs> so if you're the dog that got hit, you should holler. But if you're not the dog and it ain't hitting you, shine it on. But, but, I, but I am. I'm angry because just like Jesus, I'm right. I'm, I'm grieved. I'm righteously indignant because the church didn't do what they should have done. All this mess could have been averted. OK, let's look at another scripture. I'm talking about scripture. Look at Mark. Look, Mark, you're in the gospel of Mark. Go to the 11th chapter. See, there ought to be some things that make you angry. 
Yeah, I didn't say mad, but there ought to be some things that make you angry. In other words, righteously indignant. You should get indignant about certain things that, listen, this is not right. It shouldn't happen. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to speak out against this. You should become righteously indignant about things. Okay? It's usually classified under the term anger. All right, look at this. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who brought, drive, say drive out. Drive out those who bought, say bought. And sold, say sold, in the temple, say temple. And overturned the table of the money changer, say money changer. And the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. This is Jesus. Everything is relative. Now he's talking to the people of his day in the place where God was supposed to be reverenced and honored, the temple. And them turkeys had turned it in to a den of thieves. Jesus said a den of thieves. And he became righteously indignant. The Bible said, listen. Listen to this. Pick up on this. Listen to this. It said, so they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out. He, Jesus, one man, drove, get this now, he didn't ask them out, he drove them out. Watch this now. Began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturn the money changers' tables. So that meant that he overturned the money too because the money was on the table. Overturned it. Pick up on this now. And the seats overturned and the seats of those who sold doves and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught saying to them, is it not written my house should be called a house of prayer of all for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. Do you imagine that Jesus, when he kicked those people out, do you imagine that he approached them and said, Brethren, the, the Bible says that God's house should be called of all nations a house of prayer and you have made it a den of thieves my brethren please take these things out please please i'm sure that was his posture and his attitude i doubt it i don't think that you could get into the condition of making a statement like this that you've made this a den of thieves and then 
get them out of there like that. No, no, he had to be righteously indignant. In fact, listen, he had to be, he had to be in a pretty bad mood for him by himself to be able to get those turkeys out of there without them turning on him and say, wait a minute, you just won, you messed it, we've been doing this, what? They would have gathered around him. That brother had to have fire coming out of his eyes. If you ever get a chance to see it, you may have seen it never and didn't even pay any attention to it. But if you ever get a chance, maybe you can go rent it. We got a lot of rentals now, they're cheap. Rent, rent the movie Ben-Hur. And in the movie Ben-Hur, after Judah Ben-Hur had been uh, victimized and, and then actually made a slave by his so-called friend, and he, they were on their way to take him to the place where they're going to be put on these boats where they'd be chained to the oars and they were going to be uh, galley slaves, okay? And they went to this village and uh, the, the order from Judah Ben-Hur's friend had been, don't give him any consideration. Now they were marching and walking in the heat of the day. They were, I mean, they were, they were whipped, they were fatigued, they were tired, they were thirsty. And so the guy let them go to this well and everybody get a little bit of water, just a little bit. And so while they were passing the dipper around for people to drink from, they passed the dipper to Judah Ben-Hur and the guy that was in charge of had the whip came by, pushed it out of their hands and wouldn't let them give him any water. And then the most awesome scene in the whole movie to me, they don't show his face, but they show the back and they see a robed figure with long hair come, go to the well, pick up the water. You, ne you never get to see his face, picked up the water and came to Judah Ben-Hur and gave him the water, let him drink, let him drink. And the, the guard, the guy who was in charge had the whip. You could, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's an Academy Award performance. The guy came, when he saw the figure, he saw him from the back, giving water to Judah and he knew there was nobody supposed to give him water. And he came over there with his whip. He's going to stop him. And just at that time, Jesus turned and looked at him. I'm telling you, it's, it's worth $10 million. Talk about a picture's worth a thousand words. The guy with his whip in his hand, it came out. And he walked away. Now, Jesus went in that temple. That's how he was able to whip all them turkeys out of there, overturn all the money changers' table, whip out, get, tell them to get them doves and stuff like that, and then would not allow them to carry anything through the temple. And nobody challenged him. He had fire coming out of his eyes. He was righteously indignant. He said, my father's house is to be a house of prayer for all nations. You have made it a den of thieves. And he got them out of there. I believe he's just as righteously indignant today. But he's not here in person. So his righteous indignation has to be manifested through the vessels that he chooses to represent him. I be one of them. Okay. That, I just want you to... <laughs> I just want you to understand what's happening. Turn to Ephesians now, chapter four. Turn to Ephesians chapter four. So when you when you're looking, and then when you think that that I'm acting, you know, I'm 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 mad and I'm angry and I'm not acting in love. Well, you'll understand what's going on because see, you don't understand what love is. See, 
if I didn't love you, if I didn't love the church that I'm a part of, if I didn't love people of, of all nations, then I wouldn't even be bothering with this series. You know what I'm saying? I could be doing something. I got it made. I don't know about it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I got it made. I've, I ta I've taken the word and it's, it's blessed our family. I mean, I'm on top. I don't need this. I got it made. I mean, I got it made in the shade. Are you kidding me? I don't, I mean, I have achieved all, I don't need to achieve it. I mean, I'm, I can just leave here now. Don't plan to now because I got a lot of livings yet to do. But what I mean is I don't need anything. All my needs are met. I have no unmet needs and haven't had any for years. I got money in my pocket, money in the bank. Money just comes to me. It just, it just comes because I got so much seeds sown out there. Are you, are you kidding me? I got a loving wife. I've got a beautiful home. I've got all my automobiles are paid for. I mean, I, it's, it's wonderful. And so I don't need this. I don't need to put myself in a position to be thought of as some angry rabble rouser. Are you following me? I could just soft soak this thing and let it go. In fact, God has given me such favor, given us such favor that I, I mean, I got it even made with the white folks. <laughs> I do. I mean, I have white people who they, I mean, they appreciate me and man, you mess with me. They will get on your case. Huh? No, I mean, I got you. You would be surprised at the thing. So I don't, I don't need to do this. See what I mean? But because of love, see, because of love. And I ought to, don't misunderstand me. And I'm not saying it to you for you to give me some kind of credit. I ought to. But because I love, I love God. I love the church. And I've seen what this racism stuff has been doing to the church. Everybody suffers as a result of it. Are you following me? And I love my, I love my people. And I, I, I attempted for years to give them the word, and many of them got it. You got it. That's why most of you are here and have been here for you. You got a hold of it, and it's changed your life. Anybody here's life been changed as a result of learning how to walk by the word? And so I have people all over, all over the, uh, all over the world. In fact, we just came back yesterday from uh, Trinidad and Tobago. So I'll say to all of my Trinidad friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. How y'all doing? We had a wonderful time. Hey, they worked me to a frazzle. I mean, I taught for 13 hours in three days. Oh, they just ate the word up. But I went there because I want our people to get a hold of it. This is not, this is not the white man's religion. It, it, see, that's a, a lie. This is, this is God's word for everybody that's willing to receive it. Are you following me? So... If I didn't love you, I wouldn't take a chance to expose myself like this. I, you watch it. See, ain't, ain't, it's, it's not that bad now because it's pretty well contained. Honey, when this thing hits TV, when it hits the airways, ooh, some of you, you probably going to act like you don't even know me. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to say, Fred Pride, you go to his job. No, 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 no. I've heard of him, but I don't know. Who, no, 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 huh? Oh, you ain't seen. No, are you kidding? Honey, hush. So I don't need this. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, I got it. I mean, I have it made. I mean, there is no other church in LA that's got this many people in a Sunday morning service. I mean, unless they have three or four services. 
I'm talking about one service, primarily. Certainly ain't nobody in this city got a building as big as this sanctuary. So I got it made. I don't need this. I don't need to do this. I mean, you think it needs some kind of monster or ogre and some of you won't get mad about it and don't want to talk to me no more, act like you don't know me. I don't need this. But I love you. I love you. And so I, I will take all the garbage, all the flack and all that to get some truth to you that will help to raise you up even higher than you are right now. And whatever it costs, I got the money to pay for it. Did I tell you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4? Please, chapter 4, and watch this, verse 26, Bible, Bible. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, again, again that word anger, it means righteous indignation. It, it means get angry about things. When things are not right, you ought to get angry about it. Well, you can see how many people didn't, so-called Christian didn't understand this. Be angry about that which is wrong, that which is unrighteous. How could a preacher, my God, my God, help us have mercy on, on the church? How could a preacher, a supposed minister of the gospel, stand by and watch a family offered up for sale? on the auction block like you would a cow or sheep or goat. How could the church stand by silently while the man the father was bidded for and sold to the highest bidder, while that wife with those little children standing around and clinging to the mother's tattered, torn little garbage robes that they gave them to wear, to watch that father go off and never, ever have the possibility of seeing that man again. How can a, how could a preacher stand by a man who claimed to know God and stand by and watch that? How could a preacher, minister of the gospel, they had a great bind in just like they got it now. Nothing's going to happen without everybody knowing it, you know, before time. How could a preacher stand in his pulpit? How could a preacher preach to people? How could a preacher let a man come to the church and sit there and take communion? A man who has just taken a black slave and because that slave spoke up for his right, took a whip and beat that man to death. Didn't shoot him with a gun, just beat him until he died. A white man had did that, done that to another white man, they would have they would have had another revolutionary war. But a black man is an animal anyway, so he he he's it's it's no big thing. You sell him, you buy him, you rip up, rape his woman, take his kids, use them for slave, use up their lives. Don't give them medication. Don't take care of them because it don't matter. Just go down to the auction block and buy another slave, man. It costs money to take care of somebody. I ain't got no money to spend on giving them better clothes. Just take that, just let him die and go get another one. Kick him out, get rid of him and buy another one. 
this is history. So a lot of you people don't know this. I mean, a lot of you white people don't know that. And these were your ancestors that did this. Now, I'm not mad at them. I know they did it out of ignorance. They're just stupid, ignorant people and didn't know any better. Did not, certainly didn't know God, couldn't treat them like that. But the church was supposed to know God. See, that's who the people, those are the ones I'm after. I'm after the church. They should have known better. And they just sat by silently and said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Never Never could have existed without the church. We ought to get angry about it, righteously indignant about it. Okay, so I just want you to understand my apparent anger is righteous indignation. Not, I'm not mad at any individual person. I hope you're following me. You're getting this? But I'm mad at, at I'm angry about the church to disgrace the Lord Jesus like that. Bible said God so loved the world. Didn't say he loved the white man or the red man or the black man or the brown man. He loved the world. Everybody is precious in his sight. He created us all. How, how do you think he feels? You sit there in your lily white superiority and let a man beat another human to death. Just beat him till he's dead. I mean, man got no more life in him. For no other reason than he talked back to the boss. Beat him to death. And the church knew this and let it go on year after year after year. And the church basically right now still just as racist as it can be. And just like you ghetto niggas, you don't you don't count and you don't mean to think about it. these churches that go out to the suburbs and build these beautiful, I mean, big cathedrals and take up millions of dollars and send a missionary halfway around the world. Who's got to go over there and try to learn the dialect and the language can hardly communicate with the people. And here you've got people dying every day in the ghetto. Why don't you send a missionary to the ghetto if you care so much for black people? You better listen to what I'm saying to you. you don't sit there rolling your eyes at me like that either. Because I tell you what, this is one person you do not intimidate. Okay. All right. Now. I'm ready to move in. That's my introduction. I'm ready to move into the first segment of the three full segment. We're going to talk about race. Everybody say race. race. Say we're going to talk about race. And when I say race, everybody, when I say race, I'm not talking about who gets to the finish line first. Now, the origin of man, where did we come from? What did we come from? There are two, say two, two primary views, scientific and biblical. That's it. In other words, where did man come from? Where did we come from? 
there are two primary views. One is scientific, called the scientific view. The other is called the biblical view. First of all, let's look at the scientific view. And I think we can sum it up or sum up this view by quoting from now, from now on through race, religion and racism, I will be giving you much documentation. We'll give you the name of the books. We'll give you the page number. I'm going to give you the copyright date and I'm going to give you the publisher's name because I want it to be known that this is documented, verifiable evidence. This is not just supposition. This is not just something I just grabbed out of the sky. I document, that's why I took it. I documented it. It took me so long to do it because I had to get all the information together because that's what's going to speak is the fact that when you find out this stuff is probably in, in, at home in your library, on your, in your books, didn't even, didn't even realize these things, some of these things. So first of all, we're going to talk about race and we're going to talk about the scientific uh, view. And we're going to talk from the Encyclopedia Americana, international edition, copyright 1979, on page 420 from a heading entitled, and I quote, the origin of life on earth, end of quote. The article states it this way, and I quote, quoting from encyclopedia, throughout human history and during at least some of its prehistory, men have speculated about the origin of life. We shall, in this section, we shall briefly review the previous natural hypotheses of the origin of life and then present, now listen, you gotta listen to this because this is the kind of thing that has been promulgated in our school and is being promulgated, promulgated today. Listen to this. <laughs> Let me, let me say that again. Let me get that so I can start to begin. In this section, we shall briefly, see I'm quoting from the book, from the encyclopedia. We shall briefly review the previous natural hypotheses of the origin of life and then present modern scientific viewpoint. A viewpoint or theory that has made remarkable progress since the 1950s. End of quote. Now, on page 424 from the same encyclopedia, under a heading entitled Evolution of Life. Now, get this, Evolution of Life. The article states, and I quote, the theory. It starts out by saying, the theory. And for a moment of digression, let me give you the definition that is used in the English speaking world for the word theory. A theory is an assumption or a guess. You get that? It is an assumption or a guess. All right, with that in mind, let me go back. Quote, the theory of biological or Darwinian evolution, first announced in 1859, has been abundantly confirmed by an avalanche 
of data. Charles Darwin and Alfred Wallace postulated that all life on earth descended from a primordial cell, all life on earth descended from a primordial cell and that life changed and proliferated due to chance mutation. End of quote. Now watch this. Notice what the encyclopedia said. It said that Charles Darwin and Alfred Wallace postulated. Now, the definition of the word postulated is to assume or claim as true. To assume or claim that something is true. Well, anybody can do that. <laughs> you know, we don't have any evidence. Okay. Now, why, I want you to get this last statement. That all life on earth descended from a primordial cell. Everything started out from one primordial cell. One cell. This is the scientific view. And that life changed and proliferated due to chance chance mutations just by chance on page 418 in the same book under a heading entitled complexity and organization now i want you to watch this now I, i'm not knocking scientific investigation please believe me and 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 i'm not knocking scientific um, contributions to life. But if you really stop and think about it, and it's good, don't misunderstand me, and I don't want to live without it, but scientific advancements haven't really helped or changed the attitudinal inner person of men on earth. It has made us more comfortable. It is easier now to get from point A to point Z, but folks still are worried. They haven't eradicated ulcers. They haven't eradicated the need for people to be psychoanalyzed. And then we've sent men to the moon. And folks, folks are still lying down on the couch telling a quack what their problems are. When I say quack, a lot of, I don't, and again, I'm not knocking scientific um, people's attitude, but that, that it really hadn't changed people overall. I mean, we don't have any less crime. There's no, there, there are no less people killing other people. So all our scientific advancements hasn't eradicated murder. It hasn't eradicated rape. It hasn't eradicated fear. It hasn't eradicated low self-esteem. I mean, we can fly faster than a bullet out of a gun. I flew on an airplane that can outdistance the bullet and the gun. Shoot a bullet out of a gun, this airplane goes faster than that bullet. The Concorde. We are flying at 1,300 miles an hour. The average projectile out of a handgun anywhere from six to 700 miles per hour. This airplane flies 1,300. We can go that fast, but folks still 
got peptic ulcers and worried and can't eat anything. Now, I said, I don't want to live without the scientific advance because I've learned how to use them. But all I'm saying is that the scientific advancements really haven't changed who man really is. Are you following me? We still hateful, still grudging, whole grudges. That hasn't been changed. People are still in war and been killing each other for, for, for a century. And what has really changed? If you really stop and think about it, we've just, we have just screwed up the physical planet. I mean, we have just polluted everything. I mean, we've even polluted the pollution. I mean, with all of our sense, I mean, you can't, you can't dare, don't dare drink water out of a faucet. You can't even afford to drink water. You don't know what on earth you're drinking or what under the earth you're drinking. The groundwater. The water table is screwed up and ruined by us. It didn't get that way by itself. We polluted it out of our greed with all of our scientific advancement. I mean, we can send pictures through the sky with a coat hanger up on top of a house, can grab pictures out of the sky, put it on a little box in your house. And we are still messing up the atmosphere. There are so many animals that are completely extinct. They don't even exist anymore out of the greed of men for their pelts. And you got to be lying to me. My time can't be gone. I, bye, I'm out of time. We walk by faith, not by sight.